I think there was a feeling of once you took the time to finally figure out a way to do it yourself. Yep. You know, you kind of wanted to closely guard that, but I I wanted a place where that wouldn't be the case where people would want to yeah. share share loops and yeah. share ideas and pass it around. What's going on, community? This is Jansen. And this is Robert. And we hope you guys are having a great, great day. Today, we are going to be interviewing Mr. Jeremy Bush, a.k.a. BWAC. BWAC. Uh, BWAC's a great guy. He has such... Oh, man. This guy is like probably one of the smartest people that I know as far as like the tech yes. side of things. He is legend yeah like legend status like that's all i have to say just legend no <laughs> he uh he's legend in terms of like just starting tracks i i remember he started like what in the 90s like maybe the, yeah i think it was like the late 90s early 2000s whatever uh, at that time was going on. i think reason was like a big software oh yeah reason he, he was using that i think and it kind of mm-hmm. then later on he would get into things like ableton live and some of the other stuff that's going that's on right. now, but he was like big pioneer so Hmm. we're gonna kind of just uh see what is passionate uh, on his heart and what he's doing now and uh you know kind of pick his brain a little bit and see if we can get a little bit of tips and some course as to like excited to hear yeah how we can better our own selves as musicians and engineers and producers so uh let's go ahead and dive right in and get this episode going with mr bwack Hey guys, this interview was recorded uh, a few years ago, but we still thought a lot of the content is so helpful to our listeners. And so we're just going to rebroadcast it for you. So we hope you enjoy it. BWAC, thanks so much for joining us today. We, yeah, no problem. Uh, yeah, man. So great meeting you. You know, we're doing this this segment on the history of loops and you really, you really did like pioneer the... It seems like you've totally pioneered the use of, you know, reason and loops and especially the worship space. And it really, I know for me as a worship leader, you know, back in 2003, it really uh, impacted me. You know, when I got the Illuminate CD from David Crowder and put that into my computer and downloaded Mm -hmm. the reason files. And I mean, that was my first introduction to reason completely. I had no idea what what it was. And it was the whole That's idea cool. just, yeah, the whole idea just, just blew me away. And so I'd love to kind of just hear, you know, your story about, about that or how you even started using reason and, and why. And I had a friend in Houston growing up who was really into electronic music and he turned me on to Rebirth, which was kind of the predecessor to reason. And it's a even more simplified version um, but he turned me on to that like in the, the late 90s, and when Reason came out, we were very quick to jump on that bandwagon. It was a very, very cool program, even in the 
one and 2.0 versions early, early on. Yeah. Um, yeah, what version did you start with? Was it one? I think maybe it was one. If not, it was two. Wow. But I feel like it was one. Um, yeah, I have a feeling I started with 2.5 or 3. Yeah. I didn't get into Ableton Live until maybe 3 or 4. But I was I was pretty much with reason from the beginning. And through that, we made uh, some friends at M-Audio. M-Audio for a long time was the American distributor of reason. And that's how we did the Illuminate CD. Um, they got in contact with Propellerheads and said, hey, these guys want to put a copy of the demo of Reason on their album. So we had the, I don't know if you remember, <clears throat> back when people still listened to CDs, there were uh, enhanced <laughs> CDs that had data right. on, the, on the back end. So, and this was right at the same time that Sony was starting to get into the whole uh, DRM kind of locking CDs. And so we made this contract with Propellerhead to put the demo on our disc. So we had the album, and then in the extra space, we had the demo, and then we had like four, I think it was two or four songs. Right. We put our reason file that had all our tracks, and it was basically what we built the song from. Right. I think it was Oh Praise Him and... Open Skies, maybe? Open Skies, yeah. So... We sell that CD, uh, I would call it, at least amongst the, the geeks and nerds, a big success. Yeah. Except we get this one letter in the mail, this like handwritten, or no, it was an email. It was an email <laughs> from a guy in Georgia who was just angry because he could not play his CD on his computer, which was hooked up to his 7.1 surround system because the enhanced portion of the CD was locking him out on his computer. Somehow with the uh, with the DRM technology and the enhanced portion, right. a PC would not allow you to just play the album. It would always open up the website and force you to look at all the propeller head stuff. Right, first. And so we got this just scathing <laughs> angry email. It was pretty funny. We kind of laughed about it, but wow. And then you We just... thought he was asking for his money back and I don't know if we I don't I don't know if we did yeah. right by him at that point, but we've been joking recently that we should send him a letter that's like, thank you for your concern. Your return <laughs> your return has now been processed. Here's your 15 bucks, you know, like 10 years later. Yeah, give download, him yeah download the zip file with the MP3s. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. That's cool. Yeah. So, um, Reason... So okay, so your friend introduced you to Free Reason, and was he using it for um, what kind of music was he doing? Just like, just electronic. Yeah, just to like like live, make it in your living room on your on your PC, electronic music. Yeah, late you know late nineties, probably a lot like Aphex Twin or something like that. He was into a lot of that stuff. Yeah, and was Illuminate CD the first record you guys actually did use a lot of? Um, electronic programming on it was it was the first one that we were very hands-on uh the album before that can you hear us had a producer who came into waco and produced the album and he was big into the amiga computer sampling software so he had he had banks and banks and banks of loops and libraries that he would 
use, some purchased and some that he had made. And so that was kind of my first experience seeing the way, say, a Nashville producer or an L.A. producer would use loops. And it was it was very much kind of, um, you know, find a cool loop that fits the song and drop it in and there right. you're on your way. And um, so our next album, we wanted to get a little more hands-on and, and tweak a lot more and have a little more control over where the sounds were coming from, where the loops were coming from and... Right. Um, there's a loop in a song. I'll let somebody else find it. It'll be this will be an Easter egg. But there's a loop in one of the songs on Can You Hear Us that I still to this day hear on TV all the time. <laughs> like literally once a week, I'll hear it in a in a TV show or in a commercial, or and it's sped up and it's slowed down and it's pitched up or it's pitched down, but it's always that same loop. And I think it was on just a a really famous loop sample library that was right. made right sometime early 2000s and we might have been one of the first to use it actually it's in an Alanis Morissette song too but I've heard it I've heard it hundreds of times it's actually also in the Lord of the Rings movies oh or in one of the Lord of the Rings trailers Interesting. so I mean it's it's everywhere it's right. like permeated All right. um, I'm gonna want to go find it now yeah. So in those, like back in the early days, what were you using to actually run the tracks? So you made, you know, you made a bunch of programming in Reason. Mm-hmm. Were you actually using Reason on stage? Or no, I didn't use a laptop on stage until um, probably 2006, 2007, when we were already into Ableton 5 or 6. Oh, okay. uh, I didn't really trust it because in my experience, computers were just so failure prone you know i didn't want to do an update that would crash ableton and right kill the show so uh if you remember boss had these little handheld they were like you know the size of a shoebox little samplers and they would have eight buttons and a couple different banks and you could load audio effects into them i think they were for djs i think it was meant to you have your turntable and you have your mixer yeah you could have this little box and you could have eight sound effects or or voices loaded up, and while you're running your turntable, you could reach over and you know hit a sound. But right. we were loading, we were buying really big memory cards and loading six minute sequences into each bank and each button. And I had a Tama rhythm watch, and so I would start a click, and no. then when we would get to the point in the song where the loop starts, I would have to. No. Use I would have to use a MIDI controller, but I would have to start the loop on the beat. And if I started it off the beat, it was that <laughs> that much off the entire song. So it was very like Wow. Yeah. Time so you actually had to trigger it right on time. I was thinking uh-huh. maybe you were just loading in like split files with a click on the left and the track. No, because right. we for whatever reason we were we were stubborn and thought that stereo was extremely important even though probably every place we played was using a mono pa we just we wanted our stereo loops that we made in reason (laughs) it makes a difference for the in-ears but not really the house yeah yeah definitely wow that is fascinating and so then so then you went to ableton in 06 or 07 yeah at some point uh i just finally was frustrated and well we had a couple revisions in between like i was using the boss sampler for a while and then at some point, Hogan, 
our DJ violin player, uh, we handed it all over to him because um, he was he was starting to use the turntables more as a as a playback device, and he would scratch too. But so we even burned a few vinyls or pressed a few vinyls with a lot of our loops so that he could start and stop the loops with the turntable, which was even more uh, difficult. But I don't know. We thought it was really cool. We were into Portishead at the time. I don't know if you've seen any live Portishead stuff, but most of their loops and backbeats come from DJs. And they'll have a live band, they'll have a drummer and a bass player, but a lot of times the loops are being, or the whole band's kind of following the DJ who's dropping beats and doing that whole thing. Right. And so we were trying to mimic that, where when you when you start a beat from a turntable, there's that there's that little bit of a release that lets you know it's a turntable and not just a you hit play there's that little swagger kind of thing that happens every time it starts and stops so right i know we were trying to go for that and then at some point i got i got so used to using ableton and i kind of figured out a, a methodology for starting and stopping songs and having multiple channels and so I've been doing that ever since. That's cool. So you um you created bwaxforum.com mm-hmm. which I for one and I know many many and I know also a ton of people on Loop community massively benefited from that um you know back in the <laughs> I mean probably and even still a lot of them are all still on there and sharing yeah. reason files and um Tell us about like BWAX form and what, what made you decide to start that and the vision behind it. And it was awesome. I mean, I think a lot of it was my own frustration that I felt like, uh, just electronic music in general. And the, I guess there was a small number of people who are using electronic elements in music. And even then a smaller number that were willing to share their secrets. Cause I think, I think there was a feeling of once you took the time to finally figure out a way to do it yourself, yep. you know, you kind of wanted to closely guard that. But I, I wanted a place where that wouldn't be the case, where people would want to yep. share share loops and yep. share ideas and pass it around. And there wasn't yeah. that really at the time. There were a few forums. Right, that were, but nothing like this. Yeah. Yeah, and they were more... Well, and I, I guess I thought too that amongst the worship community, it would be a, right, a different space and a different, you know, there would be different needs and wants than if you were in a band, you know, just going club to club, right, you know, and it so, totally blew up. I mean, there's there's so much, uh, just information a, yeah, on there. It's a big tons yeah. of worship leaders and mm-hmm. you know gearheads on there. So if you're listening to this and you haven't checked out, if you haven't seen Bwax Forum. Uh, make sure you check that out. There is so much information on there about anything <laughs> from yeah. lighting to gear, guitars, pedals. Um, but it really is, it really is an amazing um, resource. And I just want to say thank you for, for having that. I'm glad it's, yeah. I'm glad it's still rolling too. It's kind of slowed down in the last few years and I've kind of attributed that to just the internet and the number of the sheer number of tutorials that are out there now, right, like with YouTube and yeah, ten years ago, if you you know 
if you wanted to figure out how to play back a loop live and have it sync to a click and have your band follow along and stuff like that. There was just no avenue. But now there's, you know, there's so many conferences and right. worship, even in the worship market, worship websites that, you know, right. which I think, I think is amazing. Like I'm all for it. I've, I, I don't know if I should say this out loud yet, but I've toyed with the idea of even uh, making the forum more of an archive now. Mm-hmm. Just because there's there's been so little posting other than the the sharing part right. of the forum right um, which i don't know i don't I don't see the reason to do that, I guess, but just something we've toyed with, yeah, is kind of restructuring it to where it feels more like a library right than a still ongoing conversation, and maybe even link to you know our twitters and our Facebooks and stuff right. like that so that questions can still be asked but yeah i mean it's it's an amazing resource and like i was saying earlier it really is what got me using loops and worship and i've never stopped since i mean every yeah. single weekend now you know since 2003 or something i've i've had a computer up on stage and you know running tracks in ableton or mm-hmm. playing around with the reason files and it really is because of bwax form and what what you did with all the programming well, and illuminate I and it's amazing I mean, I put the forum up, but I, I might have answered some questions over the years, but I feel like the community did a huge part. There right. were so many, I guess it was like all of a sudden all these people came out of the woodwork that right. that had figured out their own way, you know, because there is no one way to, right. to do this stuff. If you look at anybody's Ableton file or Reason file, there's so many different ways to pull this off. And yeah. that was cool, too. You know, that I, I wasn't on the board every day trying to wade through the questions. There were plenty of people answering and stuff like that. Right. It was cool. Do, I mean, when you first started doing this, did you, were you kind of thinking that this is where worship music was kind of heading as far as adding electronic elements? I and, just, I just loved it myself. I didn't, yeah. I didn't think about, you know, a change in the culture. I just... I was really into hip hop and I was really into, uh, I guess, bands and artists who were pulling from that. Yeah. Even like, uh, there's a Peter Gabriel DVD that I watched long time ago called Secret World Live. And it's, I mean, it's Peter Gabriel, so it's that sound. It's kind of his deal, but they were using loops and just watching the way the band played on top of these huge loops made me go, man, I want to do that. And I, I think when that started to take off in our culture, even the mainstream culture, it makes sense that, right, you know, that it bled through. Hey, keyboard players and music producers, have you ever tried to find a specific piano, pad, or synth sound for a song? Well, we've made it easier than ever to find the exact sounds for the songs you love. Loop Community offers patches and presets for a variety of music software. To get started, search for a song at loopcommunity.com. On the song page, click the patch button to see recommended patches for that song. You can also search by software or sound type. We have patches for strings, pads, bass, leads, arpeggiators, organ, and more. Visit loopcommunity.com and discover your sound today. What do you think about the future? (laughs) Like, 
Do you think, you know, this is, is it a fad? Is it going to continue or do you think? No, I think it's going to get better because like, I'm sure you've heard people make the parallel that like church worship music for, for 10 years now has been a bunch of people trying to sound like you too. Right. Which I don't, I don't think is a bad thing. I mean, they're a great right. band and they make, they, they have a great production yep. method that uh, makes very emotive music. Um, yep. But I do think maybe the church lately has been, you know, a few years behind the times, but I feel like it's always caught up. Yep. And so just watching the way mainstream culture is going, like, I only think it's going to get better. And people are, you know, like the new Hillsong or the Zion record, like listening to that, it it first came out and people were like, you know, this is so different. And the, yeah. the these songs aren't congregational you can't sing these in church right. and they're listening to the production going you know the production was throwing people and so hillsong puts out a acoustic version of the record and all of a sudden it's like oh no the songs are great i just was too busy thinking about the production but it's great like i think more of that'll continue to happen as people experiment more and as the t technology gets easier like to it it's only getting easier for sure totally it's amazing how much, um, you know, tracks have just helped so many churches, you know, churches that are missing musicians or mm -hmm. churches that want to just fill out their sound with elements that they don't have. And yeah, I mean, it's pretty incredible what, what it can do, mm -hmm. um, how it can enhance. So what, just tell us about a little bit what you're doing these days. You're playing with uh, digital, well, digital age, so, right? Yeah. The, the new band, the digital age. And we're, uh, actually right now, a couple of the guys are on vacation, but as soon as they get back, we're um, trying to finish up the rehearsals volume two that we've been working on. So we did our rehearsals, and that's kind of a funny name, but it's really true. When the Crowder Band ended in 2012, at the beginning of 2012, we came back to Waco and for like three or four months uh, just did construction every day, like get up at eight take a sack lunch, hang sheetrock all day long. Wow. You know, that, for, that for about three months. And it was, it was kind of beautiful because we had been on the road for 12 years and right. there was this whole feeling of, you know, this, this one thing has passed and now we're kind of looking forward to what does this look like? We don't even know, but having about a three month break where we just, we were very domestic for three months. Like, it felt very much like a, a regular job, if I can call it that. But we were, so we built the studio and and after about three months of construction, we had enough of the studio finished that we could start using it. Um, and so we got our instruments back out and got in a room and those first six songs were kind of the first six that we were just trying to go, what do we sound like? What What is the four of us without Crowder and Hogan? What does that sound like? Mm -hmm. And so we just started playing. We were doing some cover songs and doing some Crowder songs and doing some hymns. And uh, I was actually um, in like, I guess, February or March, I went out with Shane and Shane for two weekends because their drummer, Joey Parrish, was having a baby. Him and his wife were having their first child. And so he called me and was like, hey, can you cover for me? So I went and played with Shane and Shane for two weekends. And Shane E was talking to me about the new band. And he was like, 
and I was telling him about how construction was going and we've almost got the studio finished and he kind of looked at me and was like why are you doing construction like you just <laughs> you just released the biggest most successful Crowder album you are mm-hmm. going to start this new band he's like you need to get songs out like right there's a buzz right now about the Crowder band right. and you, and you need to like you need to act on that right. and, and it was kind are- of like this uh yeah you're probably right huh okay right. so we 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 had already been rehearsing we'd already been working on those songs and we were thinking we'd you know spend six months recording an album but at that point after he said that it was like why don't we just record them like why don't we just throw them up on youtube and let people go oh that's what these guys are yeah so we just we dubbed it rehearsals and put it up on youtube and away we went and so now we're kind of in this middle period between full-length records we finished evening morning toured for that and so now in the downtime in between we thought it'd be fun to do a volume two yeah with some more some more covers some more hymns uh, a couple originals that's awesome man what's your what's your current creation process look like are you guys using ableton or logic or are you doing because you're doing Honestly, a lot of programming, we've, right? We've kind of gotten to where all of our programming is within Pro Tools. Oh, wow. Um, I think over the years, just because Pro Tools is what we record right. music, our you know, instruments in, we've bought plug more and more plugins over the years. Right. And it was just kind of a long, slow process where now if I'm going to make a loop or make a, it's always in Pro Tools. Yep. I, use, I use Ableton on stage. I personally haven't opened Reason in years. Um, we still do pianos in Reason because we like yep. uh, uh, the Reason Piano Library a lot. Yeah, they do sound Although good. We do use the um, the native instrument stuff too quite a bit, and then we have this old vintage beat up piano in our studio that we love. That doesn't sound. It almost sounds like a marxophone. Like it. It's you know falling apart but it sounds amazing in a different way so yeah but i i don't really use like even if i if i was sitting on a plane and was gonna make a track right just to play around i would probably still open pro tools just because i'm so used to it now it's so easy to use for me right here's a question for you for all of our contributors on loop community guys who are making tracks you know and they're making them we have guys making them in pro tools or logic ableton Mm -hmm. all over the place What's a piece of advice maybe you would give um, someone who's making tracks for live performance? Is there any sort of like just tips you would give um, hmm. and how to make a, a, a track that really does enhance and doesn't, you know, take over the sound or muddy things yeah. up? Or, you know what I mean? I try to, I, and I think even as we've become more producers, uh, we built this studio, we produce now not just our own stuff, but we have bands come in and we've recorded a ton of songs for a ton of different artists now in the last three years. And so we've been in a lot more of this kind of producer mindset. And I I try to fill in the gaps more now. I don't I don't make as many loops or beats or pads or synths or whatever when I'm building a track. Um I try to picture if I haven't already figured out what I'm going to be playing on the drums, you know, I try to kind of weave the two together so that, right. Like I, I, I rarely would want to play a drum beat 
over a loop where the two are similar. Right. I would rather the the loop or myself um, be counter to the other one rhythmically, you know? Right. So if I'm playing a really heavy backbeat, the loop might be a very um, subdivided. It doesn't have a heavy backbeat. It's just more kind of filling in the gaps to my heavy backbeat. Right. Again, going back to the, and I know it's an old, it's an old live DVD. I don't even know if they ever re-released it on Blu-ray or whatever. But the Peter Gabriel Secret World Live, the drummer is uh, Manu Kache. I don't even know how you pronounce it. He's French, but. It's a, he was probably my biggest inspiration for playing along to loops. And it's, it's crazy. I mean, because their loops on that are very kind of 80s, 90s type loops. They're very uh, kind of stock sounding. They just, you know, they just kind of loop through the whole song. But the band gives it the energy and like makes it exciting. Right. So I've always tried to do that where I, you know, if I'm making a loop that's very, that's very four on the floor straight. Yeah. It allows me as a drummer to be more yeah. off the beaten path with what I'm doing drumming wise, which is one right. reason I've always loved playing to sequences is I don't feel as much of a responsibility to hold down. Yeah. The, you know, I can kind of play something completely random for a pre-chorus and it doesn't, it doesn't feel crazy because there's still that loop kind of holding down the, the time. Right. So it's kind of the whole less is more. Yeah. Thing. I think there's a temptation for a lot of guys to produce, you know, when they're making a track for a song, they just produce it as if they're recording every single element. Yeah. And they're recreating the recording. Yeah. When really, if you're, you know, if you're creating a track for live performance, just do tasteful things that are going to enhance. Mm hmm a live band mm -hmm. but well man thank you so much for taking the time to talk and no problem um, honestly like seriously i think i can say this completely like loop community would not exist if it weren't for what you've done over the years um pouring into me from afar you know without even knowing yeah. me you know pouring into me as a worship leader and a, a loop programmer i mean well i'm happy to and i mean i think we're all kind of like I'm, I came from the same place. I was just, you know, Crowder Band was a band from a church that was trying to make fun, exciting music. So, you know, for us, it was the same thing. And I didn't have a place to find info, so I, I just made a place. But right. Well, thanks for doing. It. So, where where can our contrib where can our community find you? Uh, Thedigitalagemusic.com, and then. Uh, asteriskSound.com is where our studio website awesome. is located. Awesome. I I have a a blog, thebwack.com, but oh, cool. I, haven't done, I haven't done anything on it recently. It will probably start up. I've got Steve 3PO 2.0 <laughs> is is nearing completion, and I'm pretty excited oh, about it. All he's right. he's louder, faster, stronger. Right. He's, is the new motto for that. So. so if you're a listener out there and you have no idea what he just said, you've got to YouTube this or something, but BWAC has created a robot. <laughs> <laughs> that, what, Which again you, is just, I want more, I want more beats and loops and stuff on stage. Like I would always, I would always be a fan of if we had two drummers, I would, I would love that. Right. Cause 
I feel like we layer so many things. It's like guitar players, you know, it's not weird to have three or four guitar players on stage because you always end up layering parts and all that. I would love to do the same with drums. So, Right, so you just created a robot drummer. Yeah, so I'm building an army and <laughs> I'll take over. It's awesome. <laughs> or I'll retire and let them do my job for me. Yep, yep. <laughs> well, cool, man. Well, thank well, you thank you yeah, yeah thank you so much it's uh been good just chatting and definitely getting to know definitely. you and hear more about what you're doing all right well it's time for our contributor spotlight this month's spotlight we're gonna talk a little bit about andrew pika and andrew pika has been a part of loop community for a long time and he's been contributing tracks to loop community uh, for about the same time that he's been a member, um, he's got tons of tracks on his um, on his page, and uh, he's such a good guy. We've met, um, talked over the phone several times, and uh, just passed ideas back and forth about building tracks and what it's like to be a contributor. And so um, he is actually from Illinois, but uh, he lives in Nashville now, and he is on tour as a drummer for the Jordan Felice Band. He's also drummed with the Andy Needham Band, studied college at Berkeley, I believe, and uh, just has a huge heart for music and uh, for creating music. Uh, he's a great drummer. And uh, we're just gonna take a little bit of a look at why Andrew loves to be a part of Loop Community and loves to contribute to Loop Community. And uh, at the end, we'll check out one of his tracks that he made for the song Furious by Jeremy Riddle. So uh, let's get to know Andrew a little bit more at this time. Hey, my name is Andrew Pika, and I live here in Nashville, Tennessee, but I've been using Loop Community since 2011 when I was playing with a worship group up in New England. What I love about Loop Community is that it allows smaller churches or worship groups or just churches that don't have a large pool of musicians to play arrangements and to create a sound that is much bigger than what they have um, instrument-wise on stage. And that's what allowed us to do as a four-piece worship band. And one of the reasons I've continued to use Loop Community is because they exist for the church, that they are resourcing the church. And in that, they are heightening the excellence of music within the church. And I'm a huge believer in that, that we as God's people need to be pushing ourselves to become better musicians and to be just creating a, a, a culture of excellence in our music. And that's why I will continue contributing and that I love being a part of Loop Community. Again, my name is Andrew Pika and I am LC. Awesome, guys. Well, Andrew Pika created a community track and it's Furious by Jeremy Riddle. So let's go ahead and check that out at this time.
This is Community Talk. Okay, I think my mind is like officially blown. <laughs> like I, I can't even process some of the things that were being talked about. I mean, like, you know, I'm, I work every day with uh, Chance and with Matt, Chris, and the rest of the guys here. And every day I, I work with audio stuff. But the things that he says that comes out of his mouth, I'm just like, man, I just feel like I'm really behind right now with just, I need to research on everything of audio yes. and just yes. music and just try to really think outside of the box of the typical, you know, try to get the worship stems to like, you know, what could I do while I hit with a pencil and a spoon? Let's see what kind of sounds <laughs> I get from that. I know. You know? <laughs> oh man, sound creation. I've spent so long in like Ableton Live with, I mean, you wouldn't believe the sounds that you try to sample and turn them into some kind of pad or something. Oh yeah. Totally. And it's like, oh, did you know that this was like a sound from my washing machine? <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> oh man. But he, he's a great guy. He, um, he used to be with Crowder, David Crowder band many moons ago. Oh yeah. Crowder. And now he, uh, has the band that he's with now called the digital age, which yes, is just as epic as they sound. Uh, and so he's really progressed through the years, learned a lot, picked up a lot of things, pioneered a lot of things. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I think that he's probably one of the first guys that got into using like this idea of using tracks mm. in like the worship setting, right. or, like, Christian music. But um, I'm sure it's, it's must've been really hard for him because no, nobody has ever done this at that time. And he had to like think to himself, okay, what is the direction that we should have as a band and what types of sounds I want to put into the music. Yeah. And, and at the same time, it kind of gives him an advantage because he's the first one to do it. Right. You know? And you know, if you are that kind of person, which he is and you just, this always have these ideas, always creating, there's not a lot of people in that day and age where you can just bounce ideas off of them. Right. Because they're like, what are you talking about? Right. So, you know, that, that's where I have a, you know, a lot of appreciation for someone like him who can just, you know, we're just going to create new things and figure this out as we go. Right. And, and like, sometimes you just like, you just feel like you're afraid, like, oh my gosh, like, I hope the sounds could be like, okay, I could use it at church or I hope it inspires these people. Cause that's, that's what's the meaning of, that I see through music is that inspiration that, you know, I want to save this person to, to follow through Christ. But at the same time, like I wanted to uh, have that creative aspect in my, in my style of music, you know? So it's truly inspiring to see from BWAC to say all these things that just makes me feel like, okay, I could calm down. I can like try to ease my mind and, uh, just try to expand my thoughts into music and start creating. Right. Guys, if you are in that same place where you're like, man, I am either just clueless or you're in the place where I have these, I have a lot of ideas and I just want to bounce them off of something. There is a forum called BWAX Forum. You can just do a Google search for That's it. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I think there's another name for it now, like Worship Media something. Yeah. Uh, but BWAX Forum, just put a Google search in and you'll find it. It's like one of the first links. Yeah, exactly. If, if you guys feel like, man, like I, I'm creating things that I just feel like it's uh, a routine or like, okay, I'm going to use this typical preset pad that I've been using for 10 years or something like that. Yeah. If you feel like you're just stuck in that direction, but you want to get a different feel out of it, that's why we're here. We're here to, to, to communicate with one another. Even the worship, the worship leaders out there, they're like, hey, you know what? I want to try this and I want to share that with you. Exactly. And, 
you know, you could just expand through that. That's what community is about. And we have a lot of online forums, you know, BWAX form, it goes back several years and then there's the yeah. archives it by months there's tons of topics in there and then of course you know we have all of our resources on facebook groups and different things like that these omnisphere worship groups that oh yeah even some some of these guys like BWAC so and david groups. andrew they're part of these groups where mm-hmm. they're inputting and having a lot of ideas and stuff so um that would be the next step i would think for me i know getting involved with this i i didn't you have to get your hands dirty yes you have to totally. You know, you can't be afraid to just like, well, I'm going to ask the questions. I may not know what I'm talking about, but I just need to get in there and learn. Yeah. Don't, don't be, don't be the only people and be like, okay, I have to try to figure this out. Right. Try to talk as many people as you can, because you'll never know what kind of knowledge that they'll give you, you know, and just be like, oh, I just, now I just can't wait to like go back home and start doing these things, you know? So exactly. Well, guys, I hope that you've enjoyed this time that we've spent uh, just kind of getting to know Jeremy uh, a little more and just talking to him, picking his brain. And you're probably as floored as we are as all the, uh, like I said, there's the wealth of knowledge that he is. And you can learn all these things and more if you just spend a little time getting to know uh, some of these forums and online resources that can educate you as you get your hands dirty and learn some of this stuff. So uh, if you love this podcast and just want to hear more, go ahead and uh, tap on subscribe or click subscribe. We'll be uh, bringing more of these out uh, as soon as we can with just different artists and uh, music industry people. So uh, you can always uh, also email us at info at loopcommunity.com if you have any questions and we'll be sure to get in touch with you and help out, out with whatever uh, questions you may have. So that's it for now. And until next time, this is Jansen. And this is Robert. And we are signing off. So peace guys.